0: Welcome in to another episode of the Grateful Gator Podcast. My name is Kevin Stegman. That song you're listening to is "Haint Blue" by the band Seminal Strut. Check them out on Spotify. And while you're there, search the Grateful Gator Podcast. Follow us. You can get every podcast as soon as it drops. You can also find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Anchor, Pocket Cast, and Stitcher. The AFC and NFC championships provided plenty of drama this weekend, but not without some controversy. We'll get into the games, and the officiating, and the Super Bowl. And we'll start with the AFC Championship, where the Patriots defeated the Chiefs 37-31 to in overtime. Tom Brady continues to do Tom Brady things. Bill Belichick continues to do Bill Belichick things. The Patriots' offensive line, I think, is really the story of this game. So far in the playoffs in two games, Tom Brady has yet to be sacked, uh, which we all know if you give Tom Brady time in the pocket... He will pick you apart. He will beat you 100% of the time. The only way that you beat Tom Brady is to get pressure on him. You move him from his spot. You make him uncomfortable. You make him throw before he wants to. And the Chiefs did not even get close to him all day. Uh, Sony Michel and James White both had uh, great games out of the backfield. Uh, at one point, James White, his first six touches went for first downs uh, every touch. Sonny Michel had over 100 yards rushing. Patrick Mahomes struggled in the first half. Uh, he misses uh, Derek Williams uh, on a wide open touchdown. Uh, it was either the second or third drive of the game. Um, but the Chiefs defense did a good job to hang in initially after it looked like, uh, after the first two drives, it was just going to be a blowout. Reggie Raglan uh, gets that interception in the end zone, uh, turns the game, you know, it's 14 0 at the half. Patrick Mahomes had an excellent second half, he made a ton of throws. Uh, I think the, uh, the real incredible thing uh, about Bill Belichick is uh, you can always count on him to remove uh, your number one option. And all day, uh, what they did was they had a cornerback on Tyreek Hill and a safety over the top doubled him every single play. And they said, you can throw it to any other receiver, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, uh, Robinson, any of those guys, but you're not going to beat us over the top with Tyreek Hill. And all season, that's uh, that's what Hill has done. He takes the top off the defense. He's faster than anybody on the field. Um, he had something like 50, uh, excuse me, 50, uh, something like 10 Uh, 50-yard touchdowns, Uh, the guy's incredible, and he can score from anywhere, Uh, and especially with Patrick Mahomes' arm, as gigantic as it is, he can make all of the throws. Um, And that's another thing that Mahomes is going to have to work on moving forward is uh, he's always looking for that home run play. And so sometimes whenever you get to a second and third and manageable, rather than just taking what the defense is going to give him, uh, he tries just a little bit too hard to make that home run play. And I think that that in, in this game did hurt them a little bit because they had some opportunities to just convert Keep, continue to move the chains. Continue to keep Tom Brady on the sideline, and uh, they weren't able to, to to really take advantage of those. Um, so it's it's really interesting um, the the overtime discussion. Uh, Tom Brady is now in the playoffs, three and zero in in games where uh, it's gone to overtime. He has won the coin toss all three times and received the ball, and all three times the offense has not touched the football. Uh, It happened with the Raiders and, I believe, Brad Johnson. Uh, It happened with Matt Ryan in the Super Bowl uh, two years ago, and then it happened again on Sunday. But if you look at it from this perspective, the Chiefs got the, the Patriots to third and 10 three different times on that drive in overtime. And all three times they chose to only rush three and drop eight in coverage. And I'm not sure what they looked at, but that is exactly how the Chargers one week ago played the Patriots. And you're, you're never going to beat Tom Brady dropping eight in coverage, especially in his own coverage, because he's going to beat you every single time. There were two times where uh, Edelman is just beats his man and is, is wide open in the middle of the field. And everybody in the stadium knows that that is the play call. Edelman over the middle. They convert three straight times. They end up scoring, and the game is over. Uh, but you really can't, you can't speak highly enough about the Patriots. Uh, they did exactly what they needed to do. There were a couple calls in this game that uh, were, were a little bit questionable. Uh, you've got the, the pass interference call. Uh, against the Chiefs. That extends a drive for the Patriots. You had an offensive pass interference on the Chiefs where the wide receiver is blocking about five yards down the field. It sprung Derek Williams for a touchdown. Uh, that was not called. You got Bill Belichick throwing his uh, surface pro on the sidelines. And then you also had the muffed punt by Julian Edelman that was originally called a muffed punt on the field. After review, they did overturn it Uh they said he did not touch it. It goes back to the it goes to the Patriots. Uh, I thought that was a little bit questionable. In that, I don't know that he touched it. I don't think he did. The ball did not look like it changed trajectory. The spin on it did not change at all. But I don't know that there was inconclusive evidence to not overturn that. I think if uh, that is the call on the field, I think it should have sta- I think it should stand. Uh, but again, I think. Yes, the right call was made. I, do, I don't believe he touched it. However, that is not the rule. The rule is you are able to overturn a call only if there is inconclusive evidence, and I don't know that that was there. Uh, if you looked at it from a couple different angles, you could maybe surmise that, look, I don't think he touched it. But again, I don't know that there was inconclusive video evidence to overturn that call. All in all, though, the officiating in this game was much better than the game that was played before it, where the officiating from top to bottom, both sides, was completely atrocious. Um, But again, we'll get to that in a second. But the Patriots are moving on to the Super Bowl. Uh, Kind of a funny note here, the Patriots ran 94 offensive plays on Sunday, and they had but one, one negative play, and it was a kneel down to go to overtime. I'll say that again, 94 offensive plays, one negative play, and it was by choice. I don't think that you – it's pretty impressive that the Chiefs could even come within six points after you hear that stat. If you would have told me that the Patriots essentially would not have a negative play other than penalties all day, I would have told you that they beat the Chiefs by 45. Uh, but that is that is really just – I mean, it's just incredible that uh, the Patriots um, – they they come up against a team who, at home, the Chiefs had only allowed 17 points per game all season, and they're able to, to basically just manhandle them. And again, uh, kind of the story of the playoffs has been who can be more physical at the line of scrimmage. That was the Patriots on Sunday. They didn't allow Tom Brady to really be pressured at all. They ran the ball much more effectively. Uh, they really did push the Chiefs around. Um, it's unfortunate though, because at the very end of the fourth quarter, when the Patriots are driving, uh, if D Ford is on sides for the chiefs, they're likely going to the super bowl. Uh, if you recall, Tom Brady throws another interception, which he, he actually did throw a couple in this game. Uh, so not a perfect game from Brady, but they throw an interception with a minute and a half left in the game, and D. Ford doesn't know how to line up on the right side of the, the neutral zone. So uh, just a just a frustrating afternoon for the Chiefs. Uh, they did play well, and I think if you're the Chiefs and, the, and Andy Reid, you do have to look at this in a positive light. Patrick Mahomes, this is his very first year to start. He throws 50 touchdown passes in the regular season. The guy's 23 years old. He played a magnificent second half. Uh, he really uh, he did everything that he needed to do to keep the Chiefs in the game. I think you've got to, um, you know, you, you tweak that defense a little bit in the off season, and I think you're looking at, you know, going right back to the AFC Championship uh, with Patrick Mahomes. So they've got a bright future, uh, nothing to hang your head about. Or head about. Um, great game, maybe the best fourth quarter I think I've ever seen in a game, uh, but the Patriots will be moving on to the Super Bowl. Uh, they will be playing February 3rd uh, against the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, 17 years ago to the day, February 3rd, 2002, in Super Bowl 36, it was Tom Brady's very first Super Bowl. Uh, he played the then St. Louis Rams, and they ended up winning uh, 20 to 17. So kind of funny how uh, how sports does that, where exactly 17 years later, the same two teams will be playing in the Super Bowl. Now let's get into the actually the first game of the day, uh, where the Rams beat the Saints 26 to 23 in overtime, after leading for zero seconds. They did not have a single lead in this game until Greg Zerline kicks a 57-yard field goal in overtime to take the Rams to the Super Bowl. Uh, the Saints unable to hold on to a 13-point lead uh, that they started with in the game. Uh, they turned golf over early. Uh, they've got to settle for two early field goals before they're able to score a touchdown. Uh, that really was kind of the tale of the game. If they're able to convert on just one of those, I think we're looking at a different story. Uh, Sean Payton's play calling... Uh, sometimes he is a little suspect. I think he tries to get a little too cute. Uh, They've relied so heavily on Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara all season. Uh, They only have 17 rush attempts between the two of them. If you look at it, uh, driving down where they eventually kicked uh, the field goal, the Saints did, uh, you're throwing the ball on first down, uh, which, again, I think you're just getting a little too cute. I know you've got Drew Brees, but at the same time, uh, I think, You've got to force the Los Angeles Rams to take their timeouts, uh, leave them with almost no time remaining on the clock. Uh, really, all game though. Th- this is, the officiating uh, was just an absolute travesty on on really both sides. I know uh, we'll get to the the egregious missed call, uh, but earlier in the game, Roby Coleman uh, mugging Ted Ginn, no pass interference called there. Uh, Jared Goff uh, rolling out. There's a Pretty blatant face mask that's missed. Uh, that would have put uh, the ball at about the two-yard line uh, for an opportunity for the Rams to go up 24-20, to 20, uh, forcing the Saints to have to drive down and, and not just kick a field goal but score a touchdown. And then uh, really maybe the, the most egregious non-call I think I've ever seen in my life, other than my high school crush, and where Roby Coleman just completely obliterates the Saints receiver and is, is not called, and it's, it's unfortunate because if that is called, the Saints have the ball at probably the, what, five-yard line with a chance to waste away the Rams' last timeout, run the clock almost completely out, and kick a field goal and go to the Super Bowl. And now in back-to-back years, the Saints have been eliminated from the playoffs by... Marshawn Lattimore completely missing Stephon Diggs and the Vikings winning that game. And then now this brutal non-call. And it, again, it's just, I hate it for the Saints because I think that there's, there's not much less. If you, if you watch that game, Drew Brees can no longer make those deep throws. He had one long throw to Ted Ginn where it was almost like he had to like sonic power up to, to even get it that far. Uh, so his, his arm strength is fading. Other than Michael Thomas, they don't have a ton in the receiving core. He, Drew Brees does a tremendous job with what he has, uh, but there's just—I I think that, that that was their last chance. Uh, I don't know that next year Drew Brees is really—you know—the guy's 40 years old, uh, not much arm strength left. I think uh, that this was really the Saints' Saints' last shot uh, to get back to the Super Bowl. And it's unfortunate. And really what is, is so frustrating about this is a few years ago when the, the NFL decided to go uh, to a more offensive game to, to hamper the defense, you've seen an increase in defensive holding penalties. And if you've watched football in general for any amount of time, you realize that, that holding, offensive or defensive, can be, can be called on basically uh, any play. Really, if you look at it, and it's just a matter of whether or not the ref thinks that it it, uh, had an effect on the play, so much so to call it. Uh, But what's frustrating is oftentimes you will see a defense get to third and long, third and 10, third and seven. And they'll call this defensive holding, where if you look at it, on first down it happened, on second down it happened. So why are we calling it on third down? And so you have uh this initiative to to make the game more offensive to uh to score more points to hamper the defense but at the same time you've made it to where it is so inconsistent that frankly I mean why even watch it if 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 this is going to come down to you've got these two great teams and in the end of the game you're left just completely shafted because the team that deserved to win didn't win the the Saints made the play and, and even in the in the postgame interview, Roby Coleman says, Oh yeah, I totally I, I wanted to stop the Saints from scoring a touchdown, so I decided that I would take the pass interference call in lieu of letting them score a touchdown. And if you re-watch the play, there are two officials, one in the end zone and the line judge, staring watching this play, and and neither one of them and it is it's it's so, so, so egregious that not only could you have called pass interference, you could have called a helmet-to-helmet hit, and you have all of the qualifications of a pass interference. He did not make any attempt uh, on the ball, did not turn around to find the ball, and ran through the receiver. Uh, it's really, really unfortunate, and I, I have a couple ideas that I think uh, the NFL... and what, again, what is, what is so crappy about the situation is you, you hold the Saints from going to the Super Bowl, the Rams in turn win, and you can say whatever, whatever, they got the ball in overtime, Drew Brees should have made a play, whatever. It shouldn't have come down to that. The wide receiver was run through. If any competent high school official makes that call, we're talking today about the, the New Orleans Saints and Patriots playing in the Super Bowl. But the unfortunate thing is Roger Goodell, who is the worst commissioner in all of sports, hasn't made a statement, hasn't come out and said anything, hasn't said that the referees will be reprimanded, hasn't said anything. And I don't know how you can be the face of the NFL and not have made a statement when the officiating cost a team a trip to the Super Bowl. The, the second largest game of your season... And you you don't you don't may issue anything. Uh, it, it's really just a sad a sad state of affairs because I don't know that anything will be done about it. But there are a few simple steps that the officials could make to where you don't have the situation. And what I think it's going to start with is they already have a team of booth reviewers who sit in New York and who are watching all of the games. And when anything is challenged by a coach, or a turnover, or a scoring play that are automatically reviewed. You've got a team who is reviewing every angle, and they're speaking with the referees in real time. And what I think you need to do is you need to have a team of three booth officials at present at every game, and they are basically on walkie-talkies or communicating with the officials at all times. And they see every angle, they see every play, and they're able to communicate back and forth with every call and so a flag is thrown and the official is able to immediately say i have a hold on 73 that's a 10-yard penalty and those people in the booth with the technology we have it would not extend the game at all to say okay valid call call it and then vice versa you have a a missed call where the the booth reviewers say hey look you have a blatant pass interference that a flag was not thrown, you need to throw a flag. That way this is completely averted because you have more eyes, you have more people seeing it in real time. You also... I, it's, it's so crazy that on the offense, if they're holding, it's a 10-yard penalty, but yet they, they get to redo the play and it does not affect the down. They don't lose a down, you get to replay that down. Why, on 3rd and 10... Does a defensive hold, which is a five-yard penalty, give the offense an automatic first down? I think defensive penalties should only you should only gain yardage. So if on a third and ten the defense is held called for holding, you go from a third and ten to a third and five. That way, it's not that it is completely demoralizing to a defense whenever you've got you've got the defense stopped and. Again, what you did on first down to the wide receiver, which was completely legal and not called, is called on third down. It does not make any sort of sense. And it's, I don't necessarily know that it is driving hardcore NFL fans like myself away. It is very frustrating and it's, it's got to be frustrating. Uh, for the Rams, because now anytime that anything is brought up about this game, all, it, all all they say is, "Oh, well, the officials gave it to you." So it's it's frustrating for the players, I know, and it is it is kicking casual fans away from the NFL because they say, "Well, what's what's the point? I just spent three hours watching this game, and now it doesn't even there there's no there's no validation to it." Um, so I think there's a couple a couple small fixes that they can, they can add to just um, put another layer of accountability on top of officiating. Because if it's not called on the field, like I said, if you if, I, I would almost guarantee that if those refs were to watch that play again in real time, 100% of them would say, yes, that, that is a blatant pass interference call and would have made that call. Uh, I think it makes the game better. To have better officiating, uh, some people will argue, "Oh, they want the human element of of whatever, uh, you know, missed calls, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever." But that 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 doesn't doesn't make any sense. I don't think the the human the human element is was what we need to get out of the game because you just saw the human element and it 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 robbed a team of a Super Bowl berth. Um, so all that aside, me just kind of ranting about the officials. Uh, it really does just really kind of burn me up whenever, and I'm not even, a, I'm not a Saints fan. I don't care for the Saints at all, uh, but it is, it's unfortunate. Um, and it really, I can't imagine being a Saints fan because, uh, I don't know, I probably would have skipped work. Um, but all of that to say, uh, they were two two great games. Uh, like I said, the, the the second game was officiated, I thought, much better. But we're looking at the Rams and the Patriots in the Super Bowl on February 3rd, uh, the early line has the Patriots favored. Uh, we'll talk more about that next week. Um, but, uh, but first let's talk about the pro bowl. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the pro bowl sucks and nobody watches it because it's a joke. Quick note before we transition to anything else, I noticed that I had called the, uh, Kansas city chiefs running back, Derek Williams. His name is Damian Williams. My bad. Wanted to make sure I got that correct. Uh, But uh, let's talk some NBA basketball. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins made his debut for the Washington, not the Wizards, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Over the weekend, they played the Clippers on Friday night, uh, and then they played the Los Angeles Lakers last night. Uh, They may not lose more than, like, three games for the rest of the season, including the playoffs. Uh, They are so dynamic with him. Uh, They... You know they had Kevon Looney uh, starting in the center position, and he's basically there just for defense. Uh, you're surprised if you get you know seven points out of him with Demarcus Cousins. They totally stretches the floor on offense. Um, last night, Clay Thompson hit his first ten three pointers. Uh, just an incredible shooting night. Uh, that team is just so stacked. Uh, it's really you know, just incredible to watch them. Again, I. Uh, I really don't see anybody testing them, really. Um, some news uh, from the Rockets. They traded Carmelo Anthony to the Bulls uh, with some cash. Um, kind of kind of astounding, Carmelo Anthony's decline from the New York Knicks to the current state that he's in, uh, which the Bulls uh, will take him in, likely uh, just waive him. <clears throat> excuse me play him. Uh, there are early rumors saying that he may go to the Lakers, which I again, I don't know really why you would want him, uh, but it is really crazy the decline uh, of Carmelo Anthony uh, just you know two and a half seasons ago. Uh, he was playing for the New York Knicks. He was averaging over 20 points a game. Uh, you know, he's never been a huge team player. Uh, he's a volume shot guy to get 25 points. He needs to take about 20 shots. Um, he doesn't shoot threes very well, uh, and that's uh, kind of the the analytics of basketball is moving away from the mid range shot. Uh, you're either shooting layups or in the lane, or you're shooting threes, and there's really not much of a room for uh, for a Carmelo Anthony. The, really, one of the last people who who's a dynamite mid range shooter is somebody like a DeMar DeRozan. Um, but uh, like I said, you. It, A couple years ago, he's averaging 20-plus points for the Knicks, and when the Thunder acquire him, they think they've got, you know, between uh, Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony and Paul George, that they've got a championship team. And now, just uh, like I said, just a few short years later, the Rockets, you know, deal him, and they had to add cash. They had to add almost a million dollars for the Bulls to take him just to waive him. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Uh, kind of a, a sad uh, sad situation for Carmelo Anthony. And speaking of sad situations, uh, Simona Halep, a uh, female tennis player, she was the overall number one seed in the Australian Open, uh, in the round of 16 had to play Serena Williams. How is that fair? As the number one seed of a tournament, you have to play the best player in all of women's tennis history. Uh, I don't know what kind of screwy... Uh, draw they do, where Sabrina Williams is the 16 seed. I realize that she is coming off of having a child last year, uh, but uh, she's the greatest of all time. Um, that is just absurd. Uh, I, <laughs> I can't imagine what it's like uh, to be the number one seed and look up and say, uh, I thought I was supposed to have the easiest route to the final, and uh, again, I'm playing uh, the greatest female tennis player of all time kind of, again, a sad situation uh, for Simona Halep. One last sad note. Uh, I just found out that Bob Sutton, the defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, has been let go uh, in lieu of their performance this year. Uh, It looks like they are already already starting to retool that defense. So again, good news. Uh, Keep your head up, Chiefs fans. I think there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, Tonight, the Florida Gators play the uh, Texas A&M Aggies in basketball. They are, the last time I checked, listed at 10.5 point favorites are the Gators. Uh, That does not seem right to me. Uh, I would bet heavy on A&M plus 10.5, but I am also not very good at picking games, so you may want to fade that pick. And lastly, uh, how many different moons are there? I feel like every year there's some kind of new moon that we need to go outside and look at. Just uh, I guess on Sunday night there was. It's called the Super Blood Wolf Moon. Uh, but it seems like every year they add something onto it. First we had the Blood Moon, and then the Wolf Moon, and then the Super Blood Moon. And it really I I, I don't know uh, I don't know what to make of it. But what is crazy is can you imagine a couple hundred years ago when you relied on the moon for light and the sun and all of that and something like that would have happened? That your source that happened, you know, the moon comes out every night and that's what you have to rely on, and now all of a sudden it's orange or, you know, whatever color? Uh, that is uh, that's a crazy thought to me. Um, but I'm looking forward to 2020 and what other kind of jacked-up moon we will have uh Next year, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to seeing the pictures because the pictures from Sunday Night's Moon, and if you saw it uh, in real time, it was pretty incredible. Um, so I have started to ramble about the moon. I think that's a good stopping point for the week. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up. Thank you again for listening to the Grateful Gator podcast. Uh, if you have any feedback, have anything for you would like for me to cover in the future, please let me know. Uh, drop me an email at gratefulgatorpod at gmail.com. Tweet me at gator underscore pod or message me on our Facebook page, Grateful Gator Podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow along on Spotify. If you've enjoyed it, please share it with your friends. Next week, we'll be back next Tuesday talking about the Super Bowl and other happenings in sports. I really appreciate you guys listening in. Have a great week, and until next time, stay grateful. Down.